are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Thursday episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. Got tons to talk about today. Free agency. Normally, we do this free agency Friday, but we're going to move all this stuff to Thursday. We're going to be taking a look at the Seahawks' struggles in free agency the last five seasons and why that has maybe been the biggest reason why the franchise has been in steady decline and struggled to win playoff games. And we're going to look at the AFC West, the four teams in that division, some players that might pique the interest of the Seahawks in free agency at the start of the new league year next month. Glad to have you listening in, and thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. This episode's brought your way by Get Upside. Make sure to check out the Get Upside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. I feel like this is going to be a story that is going to persistently pop up on our podcast, whether we want to talk about it or not. Russell Wilson trade rumors continue to persist. And now there's a new team that has emerged that looks like they might be the favorite to potentially throw out a trade package to the Seahawks to try to get Russell Wilson. And it's none other than the Washington Commanders. I'm still getting used to the the new nickname they've given themselves, the new uniforms, you name it. Eventually, it'll set in and it'll be a nice name in time. But nonetheless, they haven't had a good quarterback in Washington for a long, long time. And they've cycled through a number of signal callers. Last year, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick. He got hurt. Taylor Heineke. Played fairly well as a spot starter, but he is not their long-term guy. And Ron Rivera, head coach, wants to go out and get a game-changer at quarterback. You know that the front office wants to bring somebody in that can put some bodies in the seats because that organization's gone through so much over the past several years. They're still under fire with the investigation into uh, some of the sexual harassment stuff that's been going on with owner Dan Snyder and several other people that are in that front office. So that still is yet to be decided. But nonetheless, they need a quarterback. They've got some talent on both sides of the football. They think that with a good quarterback that they can emerge as a front runner in the NFC East And then there was, of course, the picture of Jonathan Allen, their star defensive tackle. He and his wife with Russell Wilson and Sierra at the Pro Bowl. And there had already been some reports about Wilson being okay with going to Washington. So, of course, those things have spurned a lot of conversation the last couple days. And suddenly here we are, Wilson to Washington being one of the big headlines out there as trade rumor season continues. Well, this is certainly a destination where you can win, win right away. With Russell Wilson, I know Ryan Clark doesn't think that's possible, but uh, that you put Russell Wilson in that division, I think that there's a that's a big part of it. Is the NFC East is arguably not arguably it is the weakest division in football, and you, you put him in with the Washington. I almost said Washington football team, the Commanders. I don't know is he going to the XFL? Uh, what the the Commanders? You put him on the Commanders with that division. He's instantly the best quarterback in the division. No debate there whatsoever. So I see the appeal there with with him with it being close to home. And honestly, I think that's where the appeal ends, because at least for the Seahawks side, because you know they have the number eleven pick in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. 
But I truly believe that if the Seahawks are, heaven forbid, really going to deal Russell Wilson, the Seahawks also are full of talent and kind of in win-now mode, and especially with an aging head coach that uh, isn't going to be coaching forever in Pete Carroll, you're going to want a Band-Aid at quarterback for, uh, for, for this upcoming season because with the number 11 pick, you're probably not getting Kenny Pickett. And even if you do, you don't feel like you can plug Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis in to the 2022 Seahawks and feel like you're an instant contender. Yeah, that's just there, there's no quarterback prospect that just is a can't miss prospect this year. It's a weaker class. You'd assume that the 2023 class is a bit better. And so if the Seahawks are going to go that route, you're going to want a band-aid to maybe kind of tread water in 2022. Taylor Heineke does doesn't really do that for me. So if they want to dangle him out there, I'm not sure that there's that that's a big option as far as putting Taylor Heineke on the Seahawks and, and expecting, especially when he goes from the weakest division in football to the toughest division in football, it's going to get even harder for him to succeed as a kind of a spot starting quarterback. So I, I really don't see that as an option. So from a Seahawks side, I don't see this as a very attractive option from, from the Russell Wilson side. Yes, it's close to home is in a weak division, but that organization is a dumpster fire at the top. You, and as far as, you know, the Seahawks, you know, sure, they have their warts, but we are just so lucky to have an organization that is well run, run by respectable people and that, that kind of just get it, that that do it the right way. And that's pretty much everything the Washington football team or the Washington commanders doesn't. So if Russell Wilson really wants to to try and, and write that tire fire, that's all 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 strength to him, but all power to him. But Ron Rivera is a good calming presence. I think that's another attractive one for, for Russell Wilson. But yeah, it just, this kind of seems like the, a, a square peg round hole scenario. Yeah. I think you can say that on a number of fronts here. And I think it goes back to what I have been saying for the last several months. I don't know that there is that greener pasture for Russell Wilson. Obviously, the NFC East is not near as fierce as the NFC West. So you can see the appeal in a lot of regards. Washington's got a lot of talent on its defense, particularly on the defensive line. They've got a top receiver in Terry McLaurin who has put up huge numbers with shoddy quarterback play. Could you imagine him with a quarterback of Russell Wilson's caliber? He might end up being a top five, top six receiver in the NFL. He's got that kind of talent. They've got a couple of other really good players on offense. They're running back Antonio Gibson, also a receiving threat, was a receiver in college at Memphis. They've got a pretty sound offensive line too. So I can see the appeal from that perspective. And obviously it's close to where he grew up, but you are talking about Russell Wilson, who was the Walter Payton man of the year award winner last year, is widely considered one of the best men in football playing for Dan Snyder, I just, I can't see him wanting to do that. Uh, there's there's no logic behind it. And then you bring in the quarterback situation, what Seattle's going to get back in return. Taylor Heineke is not the solution. You certainly aren't going to be bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick at his age, and he's not the solution either. So you're not going to be getting a quarterback back. Now, that number 11 pick, maybe you can get somebody like Malik Willis, but Malik Willis, I can tell you from watching him in person, he is not going to be ready to start as a rookie. He is going to need time. And I think you could maybe make that same argument for every other quarterback in this class. I don't know that there's a QB that jumps out like that guy's ready on day one. Maybe Kenny Pickett, but it's just not a very good quarterback class. This is not the year to be making that jump, trading a franchise quarterback of Wilson's caliber 
to bring in a draft pick and hope, well, we'll see if, how this works out with a rookie quarterback. This is not the season to do it, if there really is ever a year to do that. When you're talking about a player Wilson's caliber, I just don't see any options out there for Wilson where it's like, you know what? That's going to be better than what he's got in Seattle. I don't see it in Denver. I think Aaron Rodgers ends up there anyway. I don't see it in New Orleans with Sean Payton being gone. And I know that they can take care of their salary cap stuff with some of the contracts that they have put together. They can erase that deficit, but it's still a team that I don't know that necessarily they're going to be well set up to bring in a quarterback like Russell Wilson. And again, no Sean Payton. That takes away a lot of the appeal of what made that a good destination. The Giants have been terrible. It sounds like they're all on the Daniel Jones train too. So it doesn't look like they're necessarily going to be ready to make any trades for a top-tier quarterback. I just don't see the fit anywhere. You've got DK Metcalf. You've got Tyler Lockett. They're hoping to get back Rashad Penny. They're going to have Chris Carson hopefully coming back. The line, they feel like, is going to be in good shape next year. You've got pieces on defense. This has consistently been a winning team until this last year. I don't know why he, this season, would want to make this jump. Now, maybe next offseason, if things don't work out in 2022, you got a year left in your contract, then you can try to move him at that point. Uh, but I just don't see that scenario playing out. There's not a team that's going to give the Seahawks back a quality veteran quarterback in return. And isn't that, to me, that's the number one thing. If they were going to move him, you better get a quarterback solution. Maybe Las Vegas with Derek Carr, but I'm not even sold on that one. And I think Carr is underrated in a lot of circles, but I wouldn't be making that trade unless I'm getting a bazillion draft picks plus Derek Carr and maybe another player or two. And even then, if I'm John Schneider, I'm probably not pulling the trigger. And we got to think about this too, is that the the NFC just got a lot a little bit easier with the retirement of Tom Brady and the Seahawks are not going to want to deal Russell Wilson in conference if they can help it and then as Russell Wilson I'm not sure I want to go to the AFC the AFC is stacked with quarterbacks it's unbelievable Joe Joe Burrow's like fourth on that list if I mean, as far as like talent quarterbacks goes and it, it, and he's uber talented it's amazing the path to the Super Bowl is so much easier on the NFC side, especially if Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay anymore. That's the other thing we have to consider. If he goes to the AFC, you've lost Tom Brady, you've lost Aaron Rodgers. There's some discussion. Kirk Cousins might be out of Minnesota. I mean, the quarterback situation, it is stacked in the AFC. You can't say that about the NFC. So if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm thinking – this is my best bet, staying here with the talent they've got around me and in the conference that I'm in, even though this division's really tough, we get back to the playoffs, we can get to the Super Bowl because the quarterback uh, juggernauts that they've had in that conference are not going to potentially be there next season. So those are all factors to consider, but there's going to continue to be rumors out there. We know it, and maybe ultimately there will be a move made. I am skeptical that that is going to be happening. I expect number three to be under center for the Seahawks for a number of the reasons that I just laid out, and I think it's the best situation for him. We're going to transition to free agency. Normally it would be free agency Friday, but we're going to be crossing out our normal Friday show on Thursday this week. We're going to be looking into the last five off seasons and why things have not worked out for the Seahawks in free agency. If you don't want to listen to that, you, you might want to close your ears because this is going to be difficult to listen to. So we'll be getting to that here in a moment. Check out this incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. And use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's automatic cash back. 
Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's absolutely no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out in your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card like Amazon, other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Join me for today's show, Nick Lee. Glad to have you listening in to the Locked On Seahawks podcast and making it your first listen five days a week. It's Super Bowl week. We're getting closer and closer to the big game between the Bengals and the Rams. The Locked On NFL podcast has you covered, courtesy of Get Upside. Make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, Nick, the Seahawks are coming off of the worst season that they have had since 2009, finishing the year 7-10, and 10, last place in the NFC West. And even though the Seahawks have made the playoffs three of the last five seasons, a lot of fans have been upset about this. It just feels like this has been a franchise that has been in steady decline over the last five or six years. And you look at the numbers, yeah, they made the playoffs. They've won double-digit games three of those seasons but they've won one total playoff game and they've missed the playoffs 40% of the time. That's a lot higher than what it had been in the first eight, nine years that Pete Carroll and John Schneider were here in Seattle together. And so it has been a steady decline when you look at it from that perspective. And I think you and I would both agree, especially an article I posted today on the Seahawk Maven diving deeper into this topic that really the biggest issue, some people are mentioning the draft. The drafts have not been great by any means, but free agency looks to me like it has truly been the thing that has hindered the Seahawks and hurt their roster to the point where we have seen this decline on the field. Yeah, I think recently uh, the draft actually has been more successful than the free agency class. You know, your DK Metcalfs of the world and Jordan Brooks. Uh, The Seahawks are... Are, I think they're maybe finding our footing or, or finding it this new a new way to, to draft and or, or just we're in a slump and, and, and get out of it a little bit because I think you know that, that 2020 draft class is going to turn into a fine one. Um, this that this free agency thing it's not new in the last couple of years like you like you mentioned in your article 2017 we don't need to go you know not name for name it'll make your stomach turn um, one that we were both excited for. When it came out, because this is actually one of the first shows we did together uh, way back when we're talking five years ago, almost now um, that we've been together. And Eddie Lacy, that that, that had the running back that in 2017, you know, at, coming from the Packers from Alabama, he had, he had a lot of a lot of uh, accolades and, and was pretty highly touted and, and clearly, clearly was dealing with stuff and just wasn't right. And, you know, you know, he loved that China food. I, you know, hey, I like China food, too, but. It's a, he called it that. It's Chinese food. I know people. Um, but for me, what, what it boils down to it, we, and we can, we can dive in again in a minute, but I think the Seahawks try have outthought themselves. I think the Seahawks yeah. have been, have been, have over tried to be shrewd and frugal and look for bargains. Now there's a time and a place for that. Absolutely. And at times it does work. But I, I think the, the Seahawks have tried too hard, and they, they've gotten they've gotten cute. People like to say, you know, they, they've got they've they've outthought themselves. They, they've they've thought themselves into a circle, and and they're trying to outdo themselves. And I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we learn this in life. 
you know, when, when decisions we have, sometimes the best choice is the obvious one. You know, sometimes it is the Corey Lindsley. Sometimes it is, you know, that, that pass rusher that is going to cost a, you know, a fortune. Sometimes it is that guy. Some, it's not going to be that, that defensive tackle. That's $850,000. It's going to, it's, it, 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 it's hard to, to really pinpoint one guy every time I know it's, it's a, it's a hard business and these guys make millions of dollars to, to make these decisions. But time and time again, the Seahawks have tried over and over to, to be frugal, to be thrifty, to be shrewd in some of these deals. And it has not panned out. They, they, they try to get too cute and, and, and they pass up on obvious guys that would be big time splashes that end up making splashes elsewhere. And I think that's a lot of where the, the, the frustration dwells from, from fans. Yeah, and I think John Schneider, if he was in on this conversation, I'm sure the first thing that he would mention is, well, a number of these years, we didn't have as much financial power as many teams. And there's some truth to that. But I'm going to go back a few years ago to, I believe it was the 2020 class. Yeah, just a couple of years ago, they had more than $50 million in cap space. And if you look at the players that they signed, in free agency. The first move they made was Greg Olson. I think you and I both agreed that that was worth the gamble, even though that was an expensive price to pay for a 35-year-old tight end. I think you and I agreed, you know, if this works out, it could, it could be a really good move and, and that money could end up being a bargain. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. And you look at a number of the other moves, aside from Brandon Shell, I think Brandon Shell was the best addition they made from that free agent class. And unfortunately, he's been injured a lot. So didn't get to see him start 11 games the last two years. And you look beyond that, a number of players were with them for just one year. Things didn't pan out. The B.J. Finney signing, which is one of the worst that John Schneider's ever had, and the only godsend, the only savings grace there, was trading him as part of the deal to get Carlos Dunlap. You know, deals like that, and it seems like year in, year out, you mentioned trying to outsmart people. I think that's just exactly what's happened. How many 2013 draft busts? has John Schneider brought in. We were joking about this a few weeks ago when you did a role play thing, but it's it's true. It feels like half the first round class from 2013, which is widely considered one of the worst drafts ever, they've been going after those guys when one or two teams have given up on them. And John Schneider's like, we can make this guy work. And most of the time, really, it has not worked at all for the Seahawks. And that 2017 season, Luke Jokel, we're going to give you $8 million. You might as well have been Joker on the Batman movies and just lit your money on fire and cook s'mores on it because you got no return on that investment. Luke Jokel started 11 games, but he wasn't good. Eddie Lacy spent more time falling over than he did running the football. He averaged 2.6 yards per carry in his lone season with the Seahawks. He was dreadful. They brought in Deion Jordan, who was productive, but he only played in five games because his knee was bugging him. And we know the off-field issues that he had. And yet they kept going back to that well and signing lower-tier free agents. That 2020 group, Bruce Irvin, maybe that would have worked out if he doesn't get hurt. But those are the risks you take signing a player that's past 30 years old. They're much more susceptible to get injured. And so they've looked for those veteran bargains. They've stacked up 9, 10 free agent signings. They've taken trash that other teams have deposited onto the free agent scrap heap like Blair Walsh in 2017. Again, I'm smarter than you. We can fix this guy. It didn't work out. There have been exceptions to the rule, but the last five free agent classes, you can count on one hand the number of deals that have gone right. And then 
you can probably count on two hands the number of bizarre blunders that have been made by the front office. You remember the Tom Johnson fiasco back in 2018? He started the season opener, and then they waived him, thinking he would just re-sign with them once he cleared waivers. Then he goes right back to the Vikings. And so he's getting paid by the Seahawks and the Vikings. It's things like that that just make you scratch your head like, why can't this team get it right at free agency? Why can't they figure this out? They just keep using the same recycled playbook year in, year out. You and I thought they were going to change it last year. Corey Lindsley being one name we threw out there. Joe Thune, some of those big-name offensive linemen, didn't get any of it. And they worked out for the teams that did. And yeah. it, it's for me, it's unfortunately, it's com- it comes down to pride. And I, I think that the John Schneider and Pete Carroll, very prideful men, and that can be too that can that can be too too pronged. I mean, that that there's some good pride, there's some good you know confidence in yourself, and you know, and and then there's too proud to make adjustments, too proud to or or relying too much on yourself and thinking of yourself too highly that you're smarter than everybody else, that you end up outsmarting yourself and getting screwed. And I think that's kind of what's happened here in free agency. And also that, that that's kind of leaked into the draft, I think, as well. I, I think you see that philosophy kind of kind of rearing its ugly head in both in both scenarios. I have no no question in my mind that John Schneider and Pete Carroll are two one of the some of the best football minds at work in the NFL. I really think it, it's an issue of just admitting when you're wrong and maybe taking that obvious choice that everyone else thinks you should do. Maybe there's a reason why everyone thinks you should make this move because it's a good one, Corey Lindsley. Yeah, and it's or it's, draft Creed Humphrey. Yeah. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started there. But and, you know, and you just rely on Ethan Posick to just all of a sudden, you know, become Max Hunger, or Alex Mack, or something. Um, it's it really comes down to, to to pride and 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 knowing your weaknesses and knowing when you need to stop. And make adjustments. And right now they haven't. They they think that they're the smartest franchise in the NFL. And right now, they're not even close to that. There's a sense of arrogance to the move that the Seahawks have made. When you keep doing the same things over and over again, like they have done in free agency. And we've seen in the draft where they have kind of looked like, hey, we're smarter than you. We're going to pick this guy way out in left field that nobody saw coming. I don't have an issue with the D. Eskridge pick. But obviously, Creed Humphrey being on the board, you and I would have both agreed last year, that is your biggest need on offense. You need a center, a long-term fixture at that position, and Creed Humphrey looked the part. Quinn Miners could have been that guy too, but they didn't get any centers in the draft. They only had three picks. And then free agency, there's been a number of times they've tried to fill holes with aging players on uh, bargain deals, and it just hasn't worked. Or they're trying to fit somebody in like this year, Akella Witherspoon. He checks off a lot of the boxes you're looking for, except he doesn't like playing the technique that you do. That's something that you should have known before you signed the guy. You've gotten to see what he's done in San Francisco. You played against him. And the only saving grace there, like Finney, they traded him for something of value. They got a fifth-round pick for 2023 from the Steelers. But he never played a game for them. And they let Shaquille Griffin walk for that. It put him behind the eight ball. They were able to recover eventually, and the corners actually played well. But again, it all comes back to the process. And and I do think that there is a sense of arrogance there from Schneider. Carroll's involved in this process. They need to, you know, again, it's about pride. Like you mentioned, you need to take a step back and be like, look, what we're doing is not working. 
we need to fix things up. We need to adjust our strategy. So hopefully this is the year that they do so. And with that in mind, we're going to be going to the AFC West, continuing our division by division roundup, looking at impending unrestricted free agents that may be of interest to the Seahawks. So we're going to be looking Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders here in a moment. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the playoffs right to the big game. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has the up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. I'm Corbin Smith. Joined by my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Normally, we'd be reserving this segment for free agency Friday, but we're shifting gears here on Super Bowl week to Thursday. Let's talk AFC West free agents. We looked at the NFC West last week, the other three teams in the division, players that may pique Seattle's interest in free agency. Now we're going to jump to the other conference here. Staying out West, the AFC West, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and, of course, the Las Vegas Raiders. So let's get to it. We're going to kick off the festivities with the Denver Broncos, Nick. A number of big-name free agents that the Broncos have they are going to be hitting the market next month. Is there one in particular that jumps out to you as a potential target for the Seahawks? Yeah, this division it lacks like the, a really some a lot of sexy free agents that, you'd, that we just talked about maybe making. Um, but one I think that might, could be a, a, a one that's a bit in between you know, depth and shrewd and, and, and smart and, and maybe bargain is Bobby Massey, the offensive tackle. Uh, he's been a steady presence at, at right tackle. And I think that that would, that could be a wise move if you want to move on from Brandon shell. And, you know, you're not sure if uh, Karen can be that, that long-term guy. I, I think that that could be a, a, a good stepping stone in, in transition while you look for some both tackles of the future, perhaps um, he's got a 70.0 grade pro football focus last year, one penalty all season. We all remember, when uh, Jermaine Fetty was getting uh, penalties in the teens uh, during his time every every year with the Seahawks. So I think he'd just be a solid right tackle. Um, certainly not going to be, you know, perennial pro bowler, but a guy that could be a steady presence, in, especially if you're in a transitional mode with Dwayne Brown's future uh, murky as well. If Ed Donatel was still on the Seahawks staff, I would have made a different selection. But since he was with the Seahawks for about 45 seconds before he took the Vikings defensive coordinator job, I'm not going to pick Kyle Fuller, the corner for the Broncos that's hitting the market, but I'm going to go to the linebacker group. I'm going to go with that guy that has starter upside, but he missed all but two games a year ago. Still a young player, Josie Jewell, who played at Iowa. I love Iowa players in regard to being prepared for the NFL. Kirk Ferenitz knows how to coach up his players. His staff does a great job of preparing guys for the NFL. You look around the league, there are, there are Iowa players littered all over the NFL. And there's a number of them that are really good players. George Kittle being the most notable one that comes to mind. But Iowa kicks out really good NFL players. Two years ago, Jewel had over 100 tackles for the Broncos. He's just a guy that knows how to find the football. And I bring up the name because we don't know what's going to happen with Bobby Wagner. I would expect that number 54 will be back next year, but – there is always a chance for that cap number that he's got. If they don't agree to a restructured deal, the Seahawks could decide, you know what, we're going to move on. And if you want competition for Cody Barton for that starting spot in that instance, 
then I think Josie Jewell is a guy that could come in and would be a good fit. Him next to Jordan Brooks, you'd have two very reliable tacklers, two hard-nosed players. So he's a guy that might not be on the radar for many, not a star by any means, but a guy that as long as he's healthy and his physical checks out, he's still a young player. I really like what I see on film, aggressive linebacker, that I think would be a good fit for Pete Carroll's defense. All right, shifting now to the Chargers, and, and I know this is always tough for you to talk about, Nick, being a San Diego guy with the Chargers no longer being in San Diego. So, you know, maybe it'd be nice to take one of their really good players. The problem is there's not a lot of options on their free agency list. They have one of the weaker free agent crops right now heading towards unrestricted free agency. They do, but one guy that caught my eye um, that would make Chargers Twitter, what's left of it, melt down is uh, Mike Williams out of Clemson. That, uh, well, let's get nuts here for a second. We talked about making splashes. I know that the wide receiver isn't necessarily the biggest need for the Seahawks, but if you're talking about making a move that makes your quarterback want to stay in town, Mike Williams is, is a move that, that would absolutely make it. I mean, I, I, I pound the table last week or two weeks ago for, for Odell Beckham Jr. And I, I think this is a, this is one of those, and I kind of in that same vein, 76 catches, over 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns, comparable size to DK Metcalf. And he's make, he makes plays in the red zone. Um, my one concern is the six drops, but you, you make a splash like that, and yeah, I would love to spurn Chargers fans and and, <laughs> and get them all riled up. But I think if, if you want to keep Russ in town, keep him, hap- keep him happy, and really you're talking about with DK Metcalf, Lockett, and Mike Williams, maybe one of the best trios of wide receivers in the entire NFL. I don't know how Russell Wilson could turn down a chance at that. That would be a really fascinating move. And I think a lot of people would scratch their heads too, just like receiver. They're bringing in another receiver. But again, I think Joe Buck was right a few weeks ago when he said you're only as good as your third receiver. That's today's NFL. So if the Seahawks maybe aren't comfortable that D. Eskridge can be that guy at this point, Mike Williams certainly would be an interesting player to look at. It would be expensive with Metcalf having an extension coming up though as well. On this one, I had kind of a tough time because, honestly, the Chargers, like I said, their free agent list, not a lot of desirable fits, at least from what Seattle needs. But I'm going to go with an older veteran here, and I just talked about the risk that goes with this last quarter. So I'm not saying the Seahawks should be jumping to sign Chris Harris, but I still think that he is a respectable slot corner. I'm not sold on Ugo Amadi being the guy at that position. I'm certainly not sold on Marquise Blair just because he can't stay healthy you know that Chris Harris is still a top 10 slot corner in this league, and he brings a wealth of experience. And even though Ed Donatello is not coming to town, if somehow Sean Desai ends up on your coaching staff and you're sprinkling in more two deep coverages and some of the Vic Fangio defense, Chris Harris is going to be a really good fit. He played a year for Vic Fangio in Denver and had a very good season. And then the last two years have been with the Chargers. So I think from an experience standpoint, he's still a good enough player that he can be you know, you can justify paying him a decent amount of money. You're not going to break the bank, but you put Chris Harris with maybe DJ Reed or Sidney Jones and Trey Brown on the outside. I think you've got a pretty respectable cornerback group in the NFC West. Let's shift gears now to the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't get back to the Super Bowl this season, but still were in the AFC title game. They've got a couple big names set to hit free agency. We'll see which ones actually hit the market because the Chiefs they do actually have a little bit of money to try to re-sign a few of these guys before March 16th. And this, the guy I'm choosing absolutely is a candidate for them to franchise tag or bring him back because I think they would they would really hate to lose Orlando Brown Jr. 
their 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 left tackle. I, I think that he's one of the best tackles in football right now. He, he's just slowly risen up to that. He's, we're talking three straight Pro Bowls now, um, seventy five um, something grade and Pro Football Focus, I believe, very respectable. And you might want to groom him to take over for another Brown, <laughs> Dwayne Brown. You know his his like I mentioned his uh, his future is murky, and if you want a direct maybe at this point for present and future, perhaps superior uh, substitute, Orlando Brown Jr. would be that guy. And then you could you could feel good about perhaps uh, sending Dwayne Brown to the sunset if you were to bring in a guy like Orlando Brown. And, and it's it's remained to be seen if he'll even become available with tagging and, you know, and, the, and extensions and all that because I think the Chiefs are going to try really hard to protect Patrick Mahomes' blind side with one of the best – tackles in football but if you're talking about bringing him in that'll be a splash that's talking you know top paying him like one of the top 10 or top five left tackles in football probably approaching 20 million you know average per year i would say i think he's uh, that good and i think he's about 25 26 years old very young um so you talk about young for for present and future protecting russell wilson's blind side orlando brown jr is a guy that uh, if if somehow the chiefs let him slip you definitely make that phone call. I agree with you. I just don't think that he is going to hit the market. This is a guy they just traded a first-round pick for. I think that that's going to be priority number one. If that means they have to franchise tag him first, then the Chiefs are going to do that. But I don't see them letting him slip away. If he does hit the market, then yes, John Schneider, you better be working to make it happen. Dwayne Brown's been great, but this is a young kid that is going to be a perennial all-pro, in my opinion. The best football is yet ahead of him. So I would be all for that. I just don't think there are a lot of exciting names, though, that are realistic. You know, Tyron Matthews is not going to become the Seattle because they're hoping to re-sign Quandre Diggs. And even if that doesn't work out, Matthew is probably going to get paid more than Quandre Diggs. And they're about the same age. So I don't see that being an option. So I actually picked a player that was on one of our lists last year. Didn't play very many snaps because Creed Humphrey is in Kansas City, speaking of Creed Humphrey. But Austin Blythe, who used to be a starting center, for the Los Angeles Rams. He knows the offensive system that Shane Waldron has implemented now as the offensive coordinator from his time with the Rams. He's a good fit scheme-wise. Again, did not play a lot of snaps, dealt with a few injuries for the Chief, but he's still a fairly young player. And I think it would be a slight upgrade just for the fact of his familiarity with the system that they're going to be running. I would like to see the Seahawks maybe make a push there. And I don't think, especially since he didn't play much last year, I don't think that he would command very much money on the free agent market. I just don't think that Austin Blythe would be very expensive. So at worst, you could have him and Posick compete, and I would like that competition much better than Kyle Fuller against Ethan Posick. So I guess that you know you maybe want to aim higher at center, but I think that that would be a decent fallback option there with a guy that is familiar with what Shane Waldron's scheme looks like, what the Rams have done offensively. He's been in that system. I think it would be a solid fit, a good – second or third tier player that they can look at that's not going to break the bank. And now last but not least, the Las Vegas Raiders. This is another team that looking at their impending free agents, you know, if the Seahawks had some different needs, the Raiders might have a number of players that jump out to them, but I don't necessarily see a lot of candidates that jump out like, yeah, the Seahawks should be lining up to try to sign that guy. Yeah, I know the the Mike Williams pick with the Chargers was, you know, the George Costanza like, let's get nuts. But and that that was a little, this this uh, wide receiver is a bit less nuts of a of a thought. Um, Zay Jones, 
I, I like what, what I saw from him late in the year when, when the Las Vegas Raiders were kind of making a run at things and, and Derek Carr needed some weapons, especially when uh, they uh, had to let Henry Ruggs go for being a complete idiot. Um, and Zay Jones was a guy that, that stepped up, and that's respectable. And he's a couple seasons removed from a 650-something yard, seven-touchdown season with the Bills. I mean, he's he's been productive and, and, and down uh, toward down the stretch for the Raiders. He was a reliable target. His last uh, five games, he averaged nine targets, 546 yards. Unfortunately, we lost Nick. He was on a computer without a power cord, so he will not be finishing up the show with me. But his selection from the Raiders was Zay Jones with the Raiders. I decided to go a little bit of a different route here, and this might be one that uh, makes Seahawks fans happy, and some might think it's not realistic. But I think that the Seahawks should at least consider the possibility of bringing KJ right back. I know they didn't sign him last year and they had a chance to do that in training camp and they had a chance to do that in the preseason. And ultimately the two sides weren't able to get anything done. And KJ Wright went to the Raiders. And I thought he had a very solid season for the Raiders. I know he's getting to be an older player. You're not going to want to spend a lot of money to bring him back, but I would rather see Daryl Taylor playing the Leo position where he can just truly pin his ears back and be a pass rusher. And I think he can be a ferocious one in the NFL. And I know KJ has not loved the Sam linebacker spot, but the opportunity to finish his career in Seattle is still there. And at least it, it still should be there in my opinion. And what would really make this fascinating is if something happens with Bobby Wagner, all there's so many different parts here to consider, but I think that bringing back KJ Wright as unlikely as it is, it would make some sense to at least explore that possibility. We have seen the Seahawks bring back players who left for a year or two and brought them back. Sometimes it's worked out and sometimes it hasn't. But I still think K.J. Wright's got some decent football in him as a role player. And I think at this point in his career, he'd be willing to accept that as the Sam linebacker and continue to mentor the younger linebackers, guys like John Radigan and Cody Barton, that are on this roster. And so I think the Seahawks should explore it. I don't expect they will, but – Part of this pick is also because I just don't see a number or really a lot of guys on the Raiders free agent list that would really be a help to the Seahawks as far as free agents go. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on a Friday episode, going to shift gears from a normal week. I will be answering your questions in our weekly mailbag and dishing out my predictions for this weekend's Super Bowl. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.